Hello and welcome to today's PropCast. I'm Andrew Teacher from Blackstock Consulting. Now, PropCast is the regular podcast focused on the UK and European real estate industry. Now, you might have seen a flood of people in, in recent weeks walking around with rather embarrassing moustaches. Um, and that can mean only one thing. That means it's Movember, uh, which is, is obviously the fundraising month for the, uh, the charity of the same name. And what many people don't recognise is that the Men's Health Charity also covers a, a, a pretty broad range of issues, including mental health and suicide prevention, among others. Now, with everything happening right now, isolation, anxiety and depression are clearly very big concerns for all of us, I mean, regardless of whether you can grow a moustache or not. And uh, although we've talked about mental health and well-being on this podcast before, what we wanted to do today was go down a slightly different route and hear a very personal story from one of the industry's rising stars, a chap called Will Castle, who's an associate director at CBRE and their residential team. Now, a decade ago, almost to the day, Will's father, Paul, took his own life at the desperately young age of 54. Will's here with me today, and he's going to talk about this and, and reflect on and what's changed over those 10 years. Will, thank you very much for agreeing to talk about this. Um, appreciate that it's not easy and appreciate you know, this is the first time you, you, you know, you've, you've talked about this on tape. So uh, massively appreciate you doing so. Can you start by telling us about your dad uh, and how you've come to reflect on what happened 10 years ago? Um, well, thank, thanks for having me, Andy, and uh, looking forward to doing this. Um, so... My dad was, um, he was a very proud man, a very, a very macho man, um, as I've, I've described on my, uh, my Mo space. He, you would have never thought anything was wrong with him. Um, looking at him, you'd have thought the world was, was rosy. He was always happy go lucky, always smiling, always coming up with a new plan to rule the world. Um, and I think the main takeaway from me was that, he, in order to really understand what's going on behind um, behind closed doors, you, you you need to dig really, really deep to a person. And I, I'd like to think, you know, my dad could have shared anything with me and I had no idea anything was wrong. Um, it was honestly the biggest shock and will continue to be the biggest shock of my life, um, you know, discovering what, what had happened. Um, so yeah, I'd say that is definitely the biggest biggest takeaway from this. And 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 this got quite a lot of press attention at the time, largely because of Paul's. You know, it's a pretty high profile chat, wasn't it? Let's be blunt about it. Playing polo with the royals and and generally, you know, he had fingers in all sorts of of pies, didn't he? From from Michelin starred restaurants to uh, to members clubs. Um, that you know, very much, um, you know, very much the archetypal wheeler dealer with with loads of different things running around at once seemingly um how did that that media scrutiny play out at the time for you because you know you were pretty young you're not particularly old now um but you, you were 22 at the time weren't you yeah i was, tw- I was 22 and I, I was not used to media attention at all but th- thankfully um my dad's close friend and lawyer Stephen, he he kept me and my sister out of the media um, and was really helpful in doing so. And, and we do thank him for that. Um, 
it, it was really strange because his his photo was splashed all over the you know the day after it happened. I think it was the Friday actually. He passed away on the Wednesday, and, and on the Friday he was on the front page of the Evening Standard. And remember, this is a paper that everyone reads on the tube because it's hand it's handed out as people are commuting. And I had a really strange thought that that looking back on it was is really odd, but. Um, me and my dad have obvious similarities in the way we look and I was really worried about being recognized um because of because of our resemblances and because his photo was splashed all over the the front page I used to kind of keep my head down when traveling the whole time because I just I just didn't want to be you know that guy whose dad had just suddenly killed himself and you know be stopped and recognized obviously it never happened no one ever recognized me or anything like that but but that, yeah. that press and media coverage was quite difficult. Um, also, being in the property industry myself, obviously I came across a lot of my dad's old acquaintances and business contacts and all that sort of thing. So it almost was, I, I was Paul's son for a very long period of my property career um, rather than Will Castle, which I think obviously the press coverage had a big impact on that and and it, and it was... It was difficult at the time. Um, as times passed on, that that slowly di- disappeared, and I, you know, managed to establish my own my own name and own career. But at the time, that was a big challenge. Yeah. And and what was it? Uh, and in terms of, I suppose, the immediate response from from some of those people, what what did that feel like? What what was you know? What did they say to you? How did that make you feel? So to this day, I still have periods of time when I'll go through old text messages, old emails of support, you know, I got messages on Facebook, I got um, posts sent to my house at the time, all offering messages of condolences and support and great stories as well that I've never heard about that always, you know, still put a smile onto my face these days. And what I would say to anyone who knows someone who's gone through something similar would be don't be scared to contact them. Um, don't be scared to say you're thinking about them or you're sorry, or don't be scared to share a short story because I can near enough guarantee it will put a smile on their face and it will make them think of good times and happy times. And as, as I said, I still I still look at those stories to this day. You, you may have read the um, the Polo Times uh, obituary um, that 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 I shared recently. And when they talk about the, the, the last line is talking about how, how my dad was really annoying, but at the same time, you know, you either absorbed his annoyingness and his, and his brashness and you, you, you grew to love him or you didn't. And, and, uh, the, the, the chap John Horswell said, you know, I gave in and I find myself mourning a true friend who who would either pour you a drink and tell you everything's going to be okay, or, or 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 do his best to make you feel better? And and to that day, what, no matter how many times I read that, it puts a smile on my face. So, um, yeah, de- definitely make contact with people would be my message. And, and now, in terms of the the polo, because that's obviously that was that was a large part of of Paul's life, wasn't it? How I mean, how how truthful are some of these stories about you know about him playing polo with with prince charles is that is that a bit of spin or is that no no that... they're all true andy there's loads of photos i mean i've got three photos in my house of him meeting the queen and um 
in fact, one of the photos that was shared, you'll, you might notice, I think it was the, the, the oldest one, the queen is not actually wearing any gloves. And that is apparently, I have been told, the only time she has ever shaken a non gen maybe it's a non-royal or basically a commoner without wearing gloves and that is a photo that was all over the newspaper mm. the reason is she forgot them <laughs> well yeah she probably probably wouldn't do that post-covid um, yeah exactly so, you know that's uh, something to savor at least um but i mean but paul had quite a modest upbringing didn't he so you know he wasn't he might have he might have wined and dined with, with lots of silver cutlery, but that certainly wasn't his upbringing, was it? No, um, he, he had a difficult upbringing and um, his father, uh, or his biological father, I should I should say, actually deserted him when he was um, very young. I think he was about three or four years old. Um, and he didn't really ever see him again or make contact with him again. And he, my grandmother um, remarried um, who is a person to this day who I still call my grandfather and would never, you know, consider him anything else. Um, but yeah, they had a modest upbringing. My grandfather was in the rag trade. Um, my grandma owned a shop in Temple Fortune, a clothes shop. My dad went to Whitefield School in Brent Cross. Um, well, I say he went to school. He didn't really ever turn up and actually left when he was 15 um, to go and start in the property industry. And um, from the stories that I've been told and what I've heard, he was, you know, it was sort of love at first sight. Um, he was always wheeling and dealing and, mm. and you know, he started to make a lot of money very, very quickly. Um, I've got a, a photo next to my bed of him. He must have been, you know, 24, 25 with his first Porsche, which is only something I can only dream of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he 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 was extremely successful very, very quickly. And I think he got used to that success and it became necessary for him, for him to live. Um, and he had this image that he needed to evoke. He could never be, sh be seen to not be the best, um, and not have the nicest cars or not dine at the nicest restaurants that, that, that to him would have been a failure, I would say. Yeah. And and is that uh, other than lack of Porsches? Is that something that that that, that he's passed on to you? No, um, I look. Who knows how it'd have turned out if what had happened didn't happen? But I live very much within my means. Um, <laughs> I have as small a mortgage as possible on my house. I try not to borrow any money. Um, I my wife is a very modest sensible you know to be honest i probably would run run wild if she wasn't there and and buy porsches <laughs> all over the shop but i i think if if anything positive came out of what had happened a it, it's taught me to live within my means and and never be ashamed of that um it's also taught me the value of being able to talk to someone um you know if you if you have got a problem if you have got an issue I, I i am very open and honest about my mental health and when you know when i'm having a bad day i'll share it with anyone really it, it, it doesn't bother me um mm. and i'll always try and check in on my friends as well much to their annoyance they, they find it really irritating and frustrating but it, it it's something i really believe in um 
because I just never want anyone to have to go through what I've been through again. Um, and, and that's the whole reason why I'm doing this as well. I think, um, later on in the month, um, so it'll be the 10 year anniversary on the 17th. I've got plans to share my story of what actually happened on the night of the 17th of November, 2010. And I spoke to my wife about this. I spoke to some of my friends and I've had mixed messages, but for me, the whole reason why mental health and suicide is potentially a bit of a a stigma and a taboo is because people aren't prepared to talk about it. So by me throwing my story out there and telling people what actually happened and getting people talking about it, hopefully that'll break down some of the barriers that we've had in the past. And in terms of when you've gone over this in your mind, because clearly there was no single thing that, that led to Paul's decision. There were obviously a, a, a variety of different things one would think. Um, h- how have you been able to, I guess, compute those things over time? So that, that's a really good question. Um, and the answer is I haven't, um, is, is the honest answer. A lot of people will draw their own conclusions and you know see this guy who used to drive Porsches and live in humongous houses and play polo with the queen, own a private plane, own, own a private boat, and think, well, he didn't have that anymore. That's why he killed himself. Yes, that's that's probably part of the reason. But my dad was a very, very complicated chap. Um, he did have, six months before his biological father had died, He um, and he, he only found that out um, through me actually, which was, which was quite a strange experience. Um, he had health issues that he didn't share. So to this day, I still don't really know what those health issues are. Um, and he'd lost a couple of friends quite recently through tragic accidents that had definitely grated on him. But again, he just didn't talk about it. Um, to me, it was just, Oh, you know, such and such person has died. Let's move on. But, you know, you could tell it did really, really great away at him. And he, and I don't think because of the way he was, he, he didn't really share anything. No one really knew what was going on. So I think in answer to your question, it's a, it's a combination of factors. Um, and because he left a note, no one will ever really know what was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I mean, as he got made bankrupt the morning where it happened, one would assume that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But again, who knows? And without a note and without answers, we'll never know. And to what degree do you think, I guess, the the nature of his his friendship circle and the, the, I guess the, the the bravado and the the the, the expectations that were placed on him. Um, a lot of that's changed, hasn't it, in the last 10 years? The, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation now, the fact that this, this interview is being, being broadcast on propertyweek.com, we're, you know, that in itself is a long way away from where we were 10 years ago for, for the business national media to be talking about these sorts of items so openly. But to what degree has the business world evolved and, and to what degree does it still need to? Um. From my experience, I think, yes, we've, we've come a long, long way. Um, and things like World Mental Health Day, the work that Movember is doing as well is fantastic. Um, and it is being spoken about. 
But property is such a male-dominated industry. It's such a a macho industry. Um, we still have issues with um, females in senior positions. We still have um, issues with gender pay gap, um, which does show that we are a male-dominated industry. And with that comes taboos about talking about your feelings and talking about you know mental health issues and and all the things that we discussed in this podcast. So in answer to your question i think yes the world has come a long way but i think the property industry has a has a lot further to come um a lot of people have been speaking out recently which is great um but we need to see more of that um and we need to see more from from the big leaders within the property industry about about talking about this you know that i got told by my my md um when i told him i was doing this that he was so proud of the work that I'm doing because of um, of the uh, the image that's in our industry. And in fact, last only last week, um, uh, there was a lady in our industry who took her own life. Um, and I, I don't see that's got much coverage at all. I mean, to be honest, I haven't even heard about it unless he told me. Um, but those things need to be spoken about. We need to know why that sort of thing is happening and, and, and put a stop to it. I mean, what should the roles of companies be? Because I think you know, it, it's. I say this as someone that runs a small business and that have been involved with different companies over the years. But it, it's very difficult, um, you know. And, and you and I have been friends for, for five or six years through through the Norwood charity that, that we we met through. Um, but a, again, uh, even so, I'm, I still feel this is still a challenging interview for me. You know, I've interviewed all sorts of people over the years, none as good looking as you will, but um, but but this is it's it's, it's a, you know it, it's a challenging thing to talk about even with even with with someone that you know so i guess my point is that in a in a corporate context i guess there is a there is there will be a feeling from company bosses and managers that they they need to walk on eggshells that this is a difficult thing to to try and uh support people on so what advice would you give to those individuals so for people running a business whether it's a small business or a big business what are the sorts of things that they could do to help themselves with that because it, it isn't quite as simple as you know if someone needs training on a piece of software you put them on a training course it's not quite as simple here because we're talking about uh, an array of different emotional things i think that's a really good point um and really well put and i'll bring you back to a question we spoke about earlier which is um the point i made about people like me who have gone through trauma w- want to hear from you we don't want to you know, we don't want to be treading on eggshells. So what I would suggest to business owners and, and senior management is, is talk to people who have been through trauma, um, understand what they want, because they will want to hear from you. Um, and don't shy away from difficult conversations, I think, would be um, my main advice to managers and senior leaders. Um, What I will say is CBRE are a brilliant company and definitely market leaders in terms of what they're doing surrounding mental health. Um, most, if not all of our line managers are trained in mental health first aid. So, and it's very much, that is very much known. That is a very, that is very much common knowledge. So if you ever have an issue, you're encouraged to speak to your line manager about it. And if you don't feel comfortable speaking to your line manager, maybe a colleague or maybe a more senior colleague, um, who can then offer help and assistance. Um, we also have a confidential employee assistance helpline, um, which 
I'm happy to admit I've used in the past as well when I've been having a tough time, um, who are volunteers who man those lines 24 hours a day, I think 364 days a year other than Christmas, um, which is an amazing asset to have. Um, we've got great private healthcare system as well, which offers a similar helpline and a similar service, which, um, which is an- another great asset to have. And I think the main thing I'd take away from what CBRE are doing is they're actually talking about it. You know, mental World Mental Health Day, we have lectures, webinars, podcasts, um, reading lists, and, and it's spoken about. Our, our wallpapers on the back of our laptops turn into World Mental Health Day. So you, you can't hide away from it. It is something you have to speak about, and it is on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, I think what else we are doing and what I would encourage other employers to do is get away from this whole draconian society of you need to be at your desk from nine till six, you know, before lockdown happened and we were back in normal times. If I wanted to go to the gym at 11 o'clock in the morning, there was no problem with that. As long as my work was done, you know, I didn't have any client meetings that was interfering with you, you work around the hours that suit you were such a, a flexible living it was such a flexible world these days you know yeah, where so you have b- to back go in the day you'd, you'd have been at the bar at 11 o'clock not at the gym exactly yeah why not <laughs> but we, we we live in such flexible times not it doesn't work for everyone to work from nine till six you know some people like to go to the gym in the evening some people like to go to the gym in the morning some people like to go at lunchtime why should you be restricted by what society tells you what to do and when to do it so I think the main, yeah, the, the main takeaway for what employers should be doing is is treat your employees like human beings, not like robots, mm. um, and then you will get the best out of them. And, and, and for people that that look at some of the, the 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 I guess the way in which companies use various days like World Mental Health Day or, or, or other such uh, fundraising events to tag themselves to do, do you think there's an element of cynicism there with some of these things where people perhaps are flying the flag but aren't necessarily genuinely bought into it perhaps um not in my experience though i've, I've not seen anything like that uh, we, we i know we had a conversation earlier about my, my thoughts on this and I'll, I'll reinforce the fact i think that for me for someone who's gone through something as traumatic as as this it's World Mental Health Day for me every day. I don't stop thinking about mental health. I don't stop thinking about the ways I can improve my mental health and, and ways I can you know help my friends and family. But for others who perhaps haven't gone through any trauma or perhaps are having a good time at the moment or haven't experienced bad times, they they need reminding that other people need help. And that that that's not a problem. That's not that's not a bad thing. Um so yeah, it does. It may seem a bit gimmicky, and it may seem a bit, you know, trying to jump on the bandwagon. But I do think it is necessary to remind those who need reminding. And what were some of the things that were most helpful to you back? You know, back. That's a back good question. When, back when this happened, um, and obviously every situation is totally unique. But but you know, were there things that that people said to you was there were there things that you you accessed or or, or i don't know habits that you got into that that made any material difference Let, let's not talk about the habits for now because um because i don't know how sensitive this podcast is <laughs> but, um i think the main thing was talking to people 
sharing stories sharing stories was amazing that was your biggest sort of release reminiscing looking at photos sharing stories about good times um what i did do to really focus my mind was um my dad and i were planning to climb kilimanjaro in january um before he passed away in december uh, in november so i thought you know what i'll just do it myself he was doing that so, for charity, wasn't he uh, yeah, we were going to do that together for um, for charity. So I said, you know what, I'll just do it myself anyway. So in April, um, I climbed Kilimanjaro and my focus was on training. My focus was on fundraising and getting the message out there. What's very strange, though, is that at the time there were no mental health charities to, to raise awareness. So what I did was I raised um, money for children with cancer, which is a, a charity that my dad really um, wanted to support but looking back how weird is it that there were no mental health charities back then to support suicide prevention I remember I got a I got a an envelope in the post which was you know like the government standard your parents died from suicide what you know here's our self-help book type thing and the level of support that was on offer was absolutely shocking I mean you got like a couple of bereavement counselor appointments and a and a you know a number to call if you were feeling like you were going to kill yourself but you could only do it between the hours of 8am and 3pm or something like that so i'd be curious to see how that's how that's developed now cuz i'm sure it's it's you know got much 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 better but it it's strange looking back on it that the level of support that was on offer and do you feel that i guess some of that support there's almost been taken on by employers yeah i would i would say that's a fair assessment and and it's a necessary assessment you know your employees are your you know they're your assets you need you need to make them as healthy and as and as and as efficient as possible so it's in your best interest as an employer to make sure that your employees are happy and that their mental health is satisfied um so yeah and i i definitely agree with that and do you think that you know, everything that's happening right now, you know, let's bring it back to property for a very brief second, but <laughs> but you know, we, then we will move away from it again. Um, but but obviously, all of the 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 focus on homeworking and the isolation that comes with that, the lack of uh, lack of certainty for many many people in in particularly in in, in areas like retail hospitality that have been really terribly affected. Um, this is obviously going to put mental health in the spotlight for many people and, and, and physical health as well. How do you see that playing out? In, in the property industry or just... Or, no, not, no not, not, not in property at all, in, in society. I mean, I think, you know, prop, the, 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 I guess the property link there is, is the fact that, that many are empty, that, that many people are working mm. from home and, and the usual rules just don't apply at the minute. But that, that's clearly going to have a pronounced effect on, on many people and already is. Um, do you, do you think as a society we, we we're properly prepared for that? I think, in in short, yes, because of the technology that's available nowadays. Um, you know the amount of Zoom quizzes I run during the, f the first lockdown, and the amount of FaceTiming and you know online FIFA that I did. It's almost like <laughs> you don't need to leave the house, but um, of course you do. But y you can make do. Um, so yes, mental health is going to be 
largely on the agenda now as people are locked on you know locked at home with their families and can't see their friends and you're seeing all your you know friends and other family on the on the screen of a phone or on the screen of a computer it, it is going to be challenging for everyone especially as we're approaching christmas i mean i hate to think what's going to happen if if people can't go and see their families at christmas um so what i would say is check in on your friends you know if it's just a text message if it's a if it's a phone call if it's an email just make sure that everyone's okay let's all just care a little bit more about each other you know i i know it, it it sometimes can be difficult to do and might even be a bit cringy but if it can help brighten up someone's day or in extreme circumstances if it can help save a life it's worth it and especially when people are worried about their jobs they're worried about their money they're worried about you know all the other things that people are worried about at the moment it's it's really really tough time for everyone and with what's been going on in politics and you know, it, it, the world's been a bit of a crazy place recently. I feel that opinions have been massively polarised. Um, there's been a lot of um, division amongst not only in the UK, but across the world. We've almost lost touch with how just to be nice to each other as humans and how to respect each other's opinions. And yeah, they might be different from ours, but who knows, maybe you can learn from someone else. Mm. So I think from the first lockdown, I really took time to sit back switch off reflect and try and you know learn a bit more about myself and and try and understand a bit more about other people's beliefs and I would really encourage people to do the same during this lockdown because I feel like we've really lost touch and the ability with how just to be nice to each other and just get on and uh and accept each other's differences mm. and and what what would you say um just just thinking about Paul, what what are you know what are one or two of the the funnier funniest stories that that you can share um that that some people might <laughs> might might recall others might not do so uh <laughs> i've got the picture above me actually that i'm that i'm looking at right now my dad still holds the record at guards polo club for the highest fine and the longest ban that's ever happened in professional polo because um some guy who will rename remain un anonymous was hooking his stick so my dad being the aggressive macho man that he was said to him if you keep on hooking my stick i'm going to smack you across the head with this stick so what happened the guy hooked his stick my dad chased after him on his horse smacked him across the head knocked him off his horse <laughs> sent him to hospital he was all fine in the end so so we can we can laugh about it and then got a five grand fine and a nine month ban that has never been beaten to this day and that, that was, was 1997 the eric cantona of polo the eric cantona of polo um so that <laughs> that's probably the most high profile and amusing story i mean there are so many others. It, it, it's impossible. It's impossible. It really is impossible to pick one. You you ask anyone who knew him, they will have a story. In fact, just from me doing my November fundraising, the amount of people who I'd never heard of, I, I promise you this, Andy, it's crazy. The amount of people who I'd never heard of who've sent me messages on LinkedIn or emails just to say, I knew your dad 
he was a really funny guy. Here's a story and here's a, here's a donation. Y- you wouldn't believe. I, I, I promise you it, it's over 30. The, I mean, the, the line about him telling the, the chef of his Michelin star restaurant that he thought the food was too poncy, I thought was quite good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how true that was. Um, right? I actually worked in that restaurant for a little bit and the chef, the food was very, very good, actually. Very, very good. So I would never criticise the food. Whether the but most um, Michelin star restaurants are going to be a bit poncy, that's kind of part of the whole. Exactly, part of the and, but I think it was mainly down to the fact that um, the uh, clientele couldn't cope with the sophistication of the food, rather than the food being too poncy. But yeah, that. Um, so this is the goose sort of, in Oxfordshire we're talking about. This is the goose in Oxfordshire we're talking about. So uh, yeah, that 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 was uh, that was that was quite a funny funny story as well but everyone will have everyone will have a story everyone will have a story and um i remember that one of the messages that came through to me earlier in the week was um your dad used to always bring me deals the deals were never any good but the stories about how he found the deals were absolutely amazing so <laughs> which uh, which did make me smile um so i i did enjoy that um, so just just you know before we before we finish off, Will uh, has, has has becoming a father yourself changed? Well, obviously, it's changed you. That's not that's a different podcast. <laughs> but but has it? I guess has it has it changed? Um, I, I guess your your approach to some of the things that we've discussed. Yeah, hundred percent. I think parenting since you and I were kids has probably changed enormous amounts. Um, you know the the father. Back back when when we were kids, I don't know about your dad, but my dad was work work work, and my mum was look after the kids. That's you know that's that's the way it it sort yeah. of was back in the eighties and the nineties, um, and obviously that's very different now. Um, not just with me, but just you know with 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 people in general. But what I will remember the way my dad brought me up and the way he cared and loved for me is something I will definitely pass on to my son. He wasn't the most outwardly loving person but you but I always knew he loved me it was it was rare for him to say I love you but the way he showed it you you knew and he taught me a work ethic from a very early age even though as we've discussed he he had a lot of money and um and he you know he he flaunted it a lot but from the age of 16 I had a I had a job on a Saturday and that was because he said, you know, you want to go on holidays, you want to do what you want to do, you need to earn your own money. So I learned from a very early age how to do that. And I think if he hadn't taught me those things and he hadn't taught me a work ethic and he hadn't taught me how to be an adult, I would not be in the position I was in today because I lost my dad after work, having been in the um, in the real world, let's call it, for, for less than six months. And I didn't know what I was doing. But I knew that how to work hard and I knew how to, yeah, I, well, I knew how to work hard and I knew how to get up, get up in the morning and make my own money. And if I didn't do that, you could be looking at a very different Will Castle right now. So I think the lessons that I've learned to install to my kids, always be harsh but fair, always be loving and caring. And teach your kids about the real world <laughs> like don't don't shy away from anything um because if you throw things under the carpet then you never know it might be too late yeah yeah 
So, um, and and just to finish, so it'll be it's going to be ten years uh, on the seventeenth of November since since your dad passed. Yeah. Um, uh, if there, uh, what if there's a charity that that you would like people to to pledge some money to? Obviously, you and many other people have been uh, doing Movember during this month. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what what are good charities that 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 companies and people can make donations to? And also, what would be what are the useful phone numbers? Or and we can put them. We'll put them in, in at the end. But um, are there any other useful places that people can use as resources for information that, that you've found uh, of help yeah of course so the samaritans website is um is fantastic and i would definitely um if you are struggling or, or know someone who needs help i would definitely encourage you to go and have a look at their website and have a have a chat with them um the employee assistance helpline number that i mentioned earlier is, is, is just a cbre thing unfortunately but what i would suggest as well is looking up on your um if you do have private health insurance, have, having a look at that, and I'm sure your your insurer will offer some form of mental health support as well. Um, so it's definitely worth looking into that. In terms of charities, well, as it's November, please do support my uh, my November page. Um, I'm, I'm actually the second highest fundraiser in the UK at the moment, um, which uh, I didn't think it would uh, get this much attention, but it really has. And thank you all for those who have donated. And, and if you haven't, um, I'm sure Andy will post the link in the, uh, in the podcast comments. Um, but I would also encourage people to have a look at the charity mind. Um, if they haven't, um, if, if, you know, November's not the one for them. Mind is also a really good, um, charity for supporting mental health and, and awareness around then. But in terms of Movember, I, I didn't, I thought that Movember was very much, a uh, a prostate and men's health charity rather than actual mental health but the work that they're doing around mental health is is phenomenal it, it, it really is and being perfectly honest I, I i did this on a bit of a whim really um my wife's never allowed me to do it before because a she didn't think it was for mental health well we both didn't know until we looked into it and b she she was scared of me shaving off my beard so when i said look love it's it's the uh it's the 10th anniversary they're doing, I'm going to do it for mental health awareness. I'm going to do it in honor of my dad. Come on, let, let me do it. She said, of, of course, yeah, off you go. And as soon as I put my page up, it just snowballed. It snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And I can't thank you all enough for your support, your kind words, your your, your comments. And it, it, it's been really inspiring, the reaction I've had from people. It really has. Um, and it just goes to show that, a lot of people have my beliefs that this needs to be spoken about a lot more. So please, everyone, keep speaking up, keep checking in on your friends, and and let's all live in a nicer world together. Thank you very much then to Will Castle, Associate Director at CBRE. Um, really appreciate him taking the time. Um, please do uh, head to his Movember page, which you'll find in the Property Week article. Uh, and and also do you know do do stay connected to the Samaritans to Mind uh, and other charities that that you and your businesses that that you're involved with might be able to support financially, and and clearly as Will said, there just needs to be a, a, a slightly nicer attitude really to everything that that's happening. So be kind to people around you, ask the questions, and, and as he said, don't be afraid to to walk on eggshells, don't be afraid to ask. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of PropCast. I've been Andrew Teacher from Blackstock Consulting. Do get in touch with us 
if you'd like to get involved with a future episode or if there's a subject you'd like us to cover and you can subscribe to the podcast on apple on spotify just by searching propcast on one of those channels thanks a lot for listening take care bye-bye